0: ITG Daily is back here Thursday, January 23rd. Welcome in Gamecock fans, fans of other schools, fans of me, fan people that aren't fans of me, all that. This is JC Sherbert. Appreciate you uh, popping on the podcast today. Um, lots to get to. Uh, probably not as much as there is in during football season and things like that, but Gamecocks played a little basketball last night. We'll start with Frank Martin's team. Um, just sort of in terms of what happened last night and moving forward. Uh, the margin for error for this basketball team uh, continues to shrink. Um, and I'm looking at it. Uh, and the Gamecocks lost last night 80-67 to to Auburn. Devin Cambridge from Auburn was lights out shooting the basketball. That's what they do. They shoot a bunch of threes. Uh, they get you in transition, and, and I thought in the game, and I saw some people on the Big Spur talk about this, and you know they want to run down recruiting that Frank Martin. You know, like like the Gamecocks don't have any players, um, and that's just not the case. I mean, you know, you look at a guy like AJ Lawson. You know, the NBA had him solidly on their radar last year. He's not playing well. Uh, you know, Jermaine Cousinard, really good player. Um, Jr. Bolden's obviously a pretty good shooter. That's helped them win games. I I, I don't. I don't think it's a talent issue on this team at all. Uh, I also think that you know the mighty Kentucky Wildcats, who recruit as well as anyone in the country, could have gone into Auburn um, and lost by a similar margin. Uh, You know, I, I. I. I just think Auburn, when they're hitting shots like they were after about the first eight minutes of the game, you know, that's a that's a tough team to go in there and beat uh and i thought the Gamecocks, you know battled back for the most part it was 48 47 early second half and then auburn just sort of took over uh and shooting hurt them you know mike coats missed some bunnies like you know he hadn't really been missing um there are some threes that went in and out uh, by some of the guys uh bolden included and so uh and when the shots aren't falling and the other team is shooting the ball well and kind of Starts to shoot it well and Auburn was only 10 for 27 from three, but you know, they hit him at timely points, uh, and then the Gamecocks would go cold. So it was 48-47. Uh, and then Auburn ran away with it. Uh final score is 80 to 67. You know, so that's that. That happened. Uh Auburn's a top twenty-five team in the net. They're a top twenty team in the AP poll. They're sixteen and two. Um you know, good job by Bruce Pearl capitalizing on the Final Four last year and uh, reloading his his basketball team. Uh, you know they're good; they're a good team. They'll be back in the Big Dance this year. They, they, they're probably one, they're one of the best teams in the SEC. So you go down there it snaps two game losing streak. So right now, so here's where we sit: we're four games from the halfway point of the season in the SEC. Gamecocks are two and three in the league, ten and eight overall. Right now, three games are absolutely killing the Gamecocks. You could kind of make an argument for four because Northern Iowa would have been a Q1 win, and the Gamecocks just kind of went up and down the court with those guys and and wire to wire, and Northern Iowa won the game down in Cancun. But um, right now, I think you look at it. Obviously, Stetson and Boston U, the inexcusable losses – um, and, and there's no excuse. I mean, I, I understand, um, you know, why those things happen, and I understand too that sometimes teams can take a loss like that, and you know, it, it facilitates an improvement and a focus. But you know, when you're sitting there with little margin for error, especially Stetson, because you didn't get the op, you didn't take advantage of the opportunity against Wichita or Northern Iowa or Houston. Um. And you lose, you know, it puts you behind the eight ball. And then the third game is the game at Tennessee. Now, that wasn't an inexcusable loss. That was a one-point loss where the Gamecocks actually played really good defense uh, at a place where they hadn't won a whole lot uh, against the Tennessee team that uh, played good. They blew an eight-point lead, and then the, the play at the end, which could have been the winner, that that's killing them. I mean, because if you win those three games – all right, you, you're not sitting here at 10 and eight and two and three. you're 13 and five and three and two and your net is probably about 40 points higher. You're at least in the late the lower 50s probably in the top 50. You throw the Northern Iowa game in there, you're definitely in the top 50. you know so so those games are killing South Carolina as it stands right now, so you got to make make up for it you know the win at home against Kentucky kind of making up for it, you know. Go on the road to A and M. Anytime you went on the road, you're kind of making up for it. But um, you know, here's what's in front of them, and I've kind of looked at the SEC and all the net rankings, and you know, sort of, you know, there's good news and bad news. <laughs> the good news is there's some teams in the SEC right now, and, and I'm, I'm looking at Mississippi State, Alabama. Uh, I think Georgia's played up and down. Um, you know. Tennessee has won some games. Uh, there's teams that are that are inching their way up in the rankings to where you can get wins that can help you inch up. Uh, and then there's also some teams that have bottomed out: Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss. Um, you know, it, it, Arkansas on the road obviously is going to be something. But you know, you look down the road, and there is still a chance. There's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, that lost to lost to Auburn, I think, dropped them to 101st. They were 98th. So the Gamecocks. So you know, you just got to pick up and move. So, so you, you're looking to the halfway point of the SEC season. Nine, nine games in. There's 18 games, right? So you got. I always look at the next four games, uh, and the next four games will bring us up to the halfway point in the season. You know, Vanderbilt's coming in this weekend. They're struggling. They have some injuries. They're 145th in the net. Um, it's a Q three game right now. Um, that should be a win. You lose that one, uh, abandon all hope, ye who enter, because <laughs> that's not going to be a pretty, pretty deal. Um, then you go next weekend, our next week, middle of the week at Arkansas. Now Arkansas thirty fifth. Eric Musselman has done a great job coaching them this year. Like I said, I watched some of their games. It just happened to be they happened to be on like right after Carolina against Vanderbilt, uh, and then last week against Kentucky. I watched them on Saturday. And, you know, they're a good team. They shoot the ball well, uh, kind of like Arkansas has played historically. Uh, but they're 35th. Gamecocks go out there. That would be, if you win that one, you know, that that's a huge step forward. But they, but I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Gamecocks should win it. They could. They could. They could have won last night. But I'm not going to say that they should win it. It's Arkansas. Then Missouri comes in. Missouri's 81st. They've had a good game. They played, you know, Florida at home and beat them, but then they've struggled otherwise. Tennessee, I think, went out there and just shut them all down. Um, Missouri, you know, almost a barely a top 100 team. Uh, this is the only time the Gamecocks play them this year. They're coming into Colonial Life Arena. Th- that's another, w- you know, one. If you don't win, you know things get really dicey. I mean, and I'm probably understating that. Uh, and then on the road at Ole Miss, Ole Miss is not the team they were last year. They're 125th right now, hovering around 500. You know they got to go win in Oxford. I mean that's the bottom line. It's it's kind of like A and M. You know you got to go out there and win the game. They're probably better than 125. They're probably better than their record. Um, Kermit Davis is a great coach, in my opinion. But you got to go in. So you're, so you're looking at, and you got to get three and one somehow. The next four, and you're still alive. Now, if you go four and zero with a win at Arkansas, and you're six and three, I think you're really alive. But here's the next nine, and here's the problem: there are better teams coming up, especially on the road. Um, T- Texas A&M, after Ole Miss, comes back in. That should be a win. Then you go at Georgia. Georgia's better this year. You know, they're not, you know, world beaters, but they're good and they're tough at home. Anthony Edwards is a stud. Tom Crean's a good coach. They're getting big crowds at Stegman Coliseum. Uh, You go at Georgia. Tennessee comes in. Lost by one in Knoxville. Gamecock should, you know, that should be one they're, you know, competitive in. Then at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's been playing good basketball lately. Ben Howland and his team have turned it. Uh, then you got LSU and Georgia back home at Alabama. Alabama, of course, beat Auburn, um, and they've got good players, and they shoot the three really well. Uh, and South Carolina has not played well against Alabama over the years, and it's in Tuscaloosa. Then Mississippi State comes back in, then you close it out at Vandy. You know, so you're looking at this, and, and you're saying, well, the, you know, at home, you know, obviously LSU coming to Columbia is a big opportunity. Uh, if the Gamecocks are still alive, then. Um, that game, which is right before the last four games of the season, that could be a, a huge one. So if you are if you go to Carolina basketball games and we get to that point and Carolina's still sort of alive for an NCAA bid, which they may not be, but if they are, you know, I'd pack that place. And I know all you folks love Will Wade, the head coach for LSU. I know I do. Um, you know, and, and and so that that's the thing. You know, what concerns me is, the road games at Georgia, Mississippi State, and Alabama. And Mississippi State in general is a concern because I think that they're really good. They're starting to get on a roll. Um, you know, and they're all kind of concerning. But, but it's absolutely paramount right now in the short term that the Gamecocks do get to 5-4 and four by the halfway point. And then you have to have a 7-2 and two finish, which means if you're only going to lose two games, you're going to have to win all your home games And then one out of at Georgia, at Mississippi State, at Alabama. You know, and we'll see kind of how that plays out for the Gamecocks. You know, I I still think this team has players. I think Lawson and Bolden are really good when they play savvy and under control. I think when they play out of control and try to do too much, not so much. That doesn't really have anything to do with talent. Um, I think Jermaine Cousinard is an awfully talented player, Uh, sometimes when a guy has a breakout game like he had against Kentucky they go back in a shell and then you kind of go well you know they're just inconsistent because they're young and they're not used to it but I I think he continues to be a consistent performer Mike Coatsar needs to hit short shots (laughs) that's kind of killed him Uh, and he was hitting them better and he had a lot of assists last night too and I generally think he's playing good basketball I'll say this too I think Wildens Levesque started last night I thought First half, he played really well. Probably some of the best ball he's played. Um, you know, Jalen McCreary had some moments again. I think he starts. He's kind of starting to come on. There is some positive, but the, the problem is this: the problem is if the Gamecocks are sitting there at thirteen and five and in the top forty to fifty in the net, and you look at the schedule and you go, they should win enough to definitely get in. You know, they're almost looking at, you know, you'd have to screw this up. But because of those losses, you know, even, you know, throw out the Tennessee loss since it's a conference loss, but the the, the Boston U and and Stetson loss, you know, even 12 and six right now looks a lot better than 10 and eight. And and, and the net calculates just basic winning percentage. It's, It's a big part of the formula. And so they're still in good shape. With a couple of Q1 wins, you know. I mean, the, the, the committee is not going to throw you out if you have, you know, unless you're like a 25-and-something team. NC State had this last year. Really good record. Played nobody in the non-conference. Their ACC wins were over teams that weren't ranked. They didn't have very many wins at all. And so, they, yeah, they were in the NIT. Didn't have very many good wins at all. But they're not going to throw you out if you have at least some good wins. Remember when Vanderbilt uh, made the tournament over the Gamecocks, which was I still believe was a travesty. It wasn't so much the Vanderbilt um, selection. I mean, it was. I didn't think that Vandy team deserved to be in the tournament at all. Um, uh, it was the Tulsa was the, the one that I thought was a little insane. But uh, Vanderbilt made that. Well, Vanderbilt beat Kentucky, who was third ranked team in the country or something that year. Vandy beats Kentucky in an upset late. And that and, and they even lost early in the in the SEC tournament in Nashville and still got in. But that win over Kentucky, you know, along with a pretty good winning percentage got them in. The Gamecocks, you know, just had one win to really speak of uh, numerically that year, but but it was at Texas A&M and um, Texas A&M won the SEC that season, the regular season, uh, and I guarantee you, looking back on that, had had that win been at Rupp Arena, and had Kentucky won the SEC that year. I, I think I think maybe they, the Gamecocks get in, but we don't have to scroll down, stroll, sc- scroll down memory lane. I, I guess the iPhone really is taking over my brain here, folks. But um, we don't have to stroll down memory lane there. So. You know, that was then, and that that had nothing to do with the net because you had the RPI. And the RPI, a lot of times, could they would go, I almost call it beyond overall record. You know, they would go beyond the overall record. And when they came out with the net, they were like, I think they looked at some situations like South Carolina that year and went, well, you know, we need to count just winning percentage uh, as a part of this. You know, because in other words, if, if you're winning most of your games, Um, you know, that needs to count uh, a little bit more. And and I think I don't know the exact percentage of it. So, you know, that's what kills you when you have Q4 losses. You know, those are supposed to be, you know, wins. And, um, you know, even last year, you know, Stony Brook, uh, pretty good team, competitive in their conference. Um, Wyoming was bad. But anytime you go to Wyoming for an athletic event, you're kind of sucking wind. Probably shouldn't have scheduled that game. Um, those were bad losses, and the Gamecocks didn't have any good wins. They lost to Clemson. They lost to Virginia. They lost to Michigan. Um, you know, this year you have some good non-conference wins, and, and it just—it's absolutely brutal because you know Boston, U, and Stetson aren't Stony Brook and. Uh, really you you weren 't even facing the adversity you faced at Wyoming uh and I know Wofford beat the game last year, but waford ended up being one of the best teams in in you know one of the best teams in the country, a round of thirty two and nearly knocked off Kentucky in the second round so i you know to me, this is just what 's frustrating about it i 'm one of these people I always try to find a way until the door is closed you know or at least most of the way shut. You know, I think it's worth talking about because, again, the bottom line, too, is this. Auburn's one of the best teams in the SEC, but so is Kentucky, and the Gamecocks beat them, and so is Florida, and Florida beat the Gamecocks. But Missouri beat Florida. Um, There's a lot of parity in the league right now, um, which, had they won the games they were supposed to, would have presented a pretty good opportunity because the Gamecocks do have two of the better non-conference wins in the league this year at Virginia and at Clemson. So I don't know. I think that uh if you're looking at, at what's killing Carolina right now, it's not the loss to Auburn. It's that it's the loss to Tennessee, which anytime you lose by one point like that and you blow an eight point second half lead in a low scoring game, it's frustrating. Um and then the two losses to the two teams they have no business losing to. So we'll see kind of what happens. Um, you know, I hate to sit here and it'd be a lot more fun to sit here and point out positives if they were 13 and 5 um, like Wilden's levesques play I thought individually he looked good and stuff like that but um that's just kind of where the gamecocks are at uh in terms of uh basketball so we'll see what happens against Vandy Saturday night uh at the Colonial Life Arena Vandy not very good <laughs> just to be honest um and uh uh they're they're dead last in the net uh, as far as uh, the Gamecocks go. I mean, as far as the, the SEC goes this season. Um, you know, so Vandy's coming in. It's a SEC Network, 8 p.m. Eastern tip-off uh, for the Gamecocks. Um, so, you know, head on out there. And, and that's, you know, I hate the term must win, and I always say that. But that's definitely a must win. You lose that one, you know, all of a sudden the bad losses, I think, are too much to overcome. Um, you'd have to go on like a, you know, a winning streak like the 1997 Gamecocks did, where they went 15 and one in the SEC um, after losing to Charleston Southern and UNC Asheville uh, and won the league. I mean, you, you, that, that, that it will get to a point if they, you know, don't take care of business against the teams they need to beat in the next four, which are three of them: Vandy, Arkansas, Ole Miss. If, if, if it'll get to a point where it's going to take that type of miraculous run which can happen but you know if I were them I would rather take care of business now and set myself up um for something that's uh you know you know it's a little more manageable and there's not that much pressure but, but who knows what will happen alright on the com today uh lots of talk about Ray Tanner and um Talking about his comments to 107.5 the game. I do not have the audio of the, that. Something along the lines of, well, the football team lost by 17.8 points per game this year. Uh, how is that good? And he's like, numbers can be deceiving. Um, I think that's another PR gaffe on his part. Uh, I think that a lot of times, you know. He's trying to be supportive of his coach and his, the program, which I think is fine to do. Um, but I just don't think that's something that the fans want to hear. Because the bottom line is, the Gamecocks were not competitive in a lot of games. You know, you can spin it and say all you want. Oh, well, you know, it was a one-score game until this point. Well, yeah, but it ended up not being. And. There's a reason that South Carolina made a change in offensive coordinator. If it were just injuries and freshman quarterback and all that, if that was the problem, and not the problem as I diagnose it, but if Will Muschamp and people that know football, if that was the problem, then we, Brian McClendon would still be calling plays. Mike, there would be no need to hire Mike Bobo <laughs> to install a new offense. No need. And, uh, you know, it's common sense, you know, that they went into last season, you know, and, and, I, and I think that this is what bugs me a little bit about it, is the end, you know, 2018, if you look at the offense in 2018, there were some fantastic games where the offense just went up and down the field. And then there were some games that, you know, were mind-bogglingly bad, starting in the second half against Akron through the bowl game. Um, you can even go back to the Georgia game a little bit, um, the loss at Kentucky in 2018. Gamecocks only put 10 points on the board, but that was more of an execution thing because there were guys open down the field, and then there were drops and overthrows and all that stuff up in Lexington. But... If you kind of look at it, and you can you can trace this back to the Gamecocks being up 31-14 in the Swamp in 2018, and I mention this a lot because that's where you can pinpoint things starting to change. Gamecocks came out, Jake Bentley's on target, on fire. They're running the ball. They're creative with their play call, and they're up 31-14. Defense is hanging in for dear life, um, even though they're getting gassed in the run game. All that's happening, and then Florida makes adjustments, and then there was no second pitch, as Will Muschamp likes to say. Virginia had a great game plan in the Belk Bowl, and there was no second pitch. You know, Um, and Muschamp says a lot. You know, sometimes you got to call it and haul it. Sometimes you got to call it and haul it. Sometimes you got to call it and haul it. What he means by that is, you know, the Gamecocks were out there running RPOs with Jake, who Bentley, who's capable of reading defenses and getting them in the right play, obviously, because there was no, like, actual, you know, schematic, brilliant play calling (laughs) going on. It was RPOs, and they look brilliant when they work. They work when they... When they work, they look brilliant in all levels of football. I mean, Alabama, we all watched the Alabama-South Carolina game, and that was kind of an RPO clinic that Tua put on. And, man, it looks like Steve Sarkeesian is an offensive genius. Well, he is, but, he, I mean, Tua, Tua has three different options, and, and it's up to him to get it, get them in the right one. So I, I think that this year, you know, maybe there should have been some learning after getting shut out in the bowl um, and, and some ideas that that maybe, hey, look, we, we have to, if they shut option one, we have to make adjustments, you know. Um, we have to do something else. Um, and, and I just don't think that was that was made there. And, and that's, you know, I'm not trying to come down on Brian McClendon. But there's obviously coaching issues. So, so, so back to what Tanner said, it, it – it's hard to just sit there and, and buy the line and I don't buy this. I don't buy that there were all these injuries and there were injuries. Um, you know, people forget, I think Brian Edwards missed the Clemson game, a game that they, South Carolina was not competitive in and had no reasonable plan. I think to even attack the tigers on offense, there was no, there was nothing reasonable about what they were just doing, what they always do. Um, You know, I I think that, you know, when you you look at it and and, and you say, oh, well, and you buy the whole he had injuries in a freshman quarterback line, I I just think that comes across as disingenuous. And and you guys know, heck, I was on, and I still support the Will Muschamp hire. I still think that at the time when you look at when he was hired and who else was out there, I I still think the guy was the right guy. You know, because you look at everybody else and you kind of kind of look at the situation, and, and I don't know that anybody else is going to come in and win six and nine and seven. Now, you could argue that someone else would have may, may have won four in his first year, four in his second year, then won seven, and then done better in year four. That's certainly fair. But, you know, I, I think at the time, you know, there was a lot of panic because Clemson was rising and uh, not panic panic equals desperation but there's a lot of concern because you know you're coming off a you know you're one you're two years away from from being fourth in the country at the end of the year in 2013 and then it's 2015 and you're 3 and 9 and in 2015 Clemson plays for the national championship and and so you're and you're looking at your roster and you know like I've been told by many sources um, not on the current staff, on the previous staff. There are there probably about 21 guys that could play in the SEC on that roster by the time all was said and done. And, and so you needed a guy that's going to come in, work double time, get the recruiting right, set the boards, get players in. And, and look, I, I'll be honest, you know, Will Muschamp's first class as far as wins and losses, his last year obviously, last season obviously was a major disappointment, probably shouldn't have happened, but You know, that group also was a big part of winning six, winning nine, winning seven. You know, those guys, uh, you know, are to be commended because they put that class together in 30 days. You know, so so looking back on it, there's no regrets because there really was nobody else at the time that that I can honestly say would have done any better right away. But with with everything, you know, it's it's different. I mean, it's 2020 now. It's 2019. It's not 2016. It's year four. We're going into year five. You know, things, are. you know, time has been given. Time has passed. Where's the upward mobility? It's not. It's four and eight. And I I wish people would recognize that reality rather than just, you know, smoothing it over. You don't have to. You can say you support Will Muschamp all you want and all that but i think you also have to as the leader of the athletic department admit that 4 and 8 is is unacceptable and i went through this yesterday on the daily report if you didn't hear it go listen to it because it's about how south carolina how good or bad of a job how hard is the south carolina job and i went through it and quite frankly you know there should be four conference wins on the schedule every single season even when you're rebuilding you know quite frankly you know, yes, Florida's a better program, uh, but look at the games. I mean, it's not like Florida's just blowing you out and thumping you. Uh, even Georgia, who's, you know, had a pretty big win in Columbia last time they played, and, you know, uh, you, you had a, caught them on a bad day and had enough talent to win. You know, upsets happen. Uh, you know, and I know Clemson's really good right now. But I'll tell you, they're the best team on the schedule every year, and you know that game will take care of itself if you can start winning the SEC East and competing for the SEC East and all that. It's not a ridiculously hard job. It's not. And and when I say that, it's not a hard job to win eight games, seven, eight games, and then cycle up and win nine or ten, eleven. You know, you win the division. Every once in a while when you have the opportunity. You know, Steve Spurrier had that opportunity. You know, people talk about, oh, well, those good Spurrier years, the division was down. Yeah, the division was down the year he won it with a 5-3 and three record. But, you know, 2011, Georgia was really good. Gabe Cox beat them. 2012, Georgia and Florida were really, really good and in the national championship hunt. You know, 2013, the years Missouri won it, I'll give that to you. That that was a down down year in the division, and unfortunately, in 2013 specifically, um, Missouri had the right schedule, you know, kind of pop up, and the Gamecocks blew it with a loss at Tennessee. But Steve Spurrier could have won five straight SEC Easts. <laughs> And, and he didn't, and that's fine. I mean, he he did so much more that hey, that kind of gives the next coach, you know, Will Muschamp, a little bit to shoot shoot for. But but it's not an impossible job. So you know, when you look at who you have to play every year, you, you want to see an impossible job. Go look at Fay, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, right now, because not only are, are they looking up at the four out there that are that are good. Um, and I, and I include Texas A and M in that because that, that that is a program that should be good. Um, you got Ole Miss and Mississippi State that just made, you know, what I would call polar opposite hires. I mean, you, you go from Matt Luke and um, Joe Moorhead, which you know one guy's kind of the, the promotion from within, and you know Joe Moorhead's the guy that uh, they just it was kind of weird. They just you know plucked him out of the Northeast. And you hire two of the most notorious coaches in college football. And thats what, I'll call them notorious. And what does that do? Well, that gets people kind of excited. Um, and I think Sam Pittman hired some good coordinators, Kendall Browse and Barry Odom. You're not going to do much better than that. And I, I like Sam Pittman. And, heck, Sam Pittman may shock me and turn the hogs around and be one of the best coaches in Arkansas history. He may be their Philip Fulmer. But you're not only looking up at the best division in college football right now, you you lost by 26 at home to Western Kentucky and lost at home to San Jose State. So uh, it's not just like, hey, we're making progress, you just can't see it. And that's what frustrates me about South Carolina. If South Carolina were facing the type of situation like Arkansas, you know, if you're going out there and it's like, well, God, you know, Alabama, LSU, all these teams, but that's not what happened. South Carolina, when you looked at the te- the games they should lose, when you're kind of sketching it out, you're like, well, Georgia, Clemson, uh, Alabama, at Texas A&M. The rest, here we go. So, uh... And that's not what they, they beat Georgia, so they ended up stealing one they weren't supposed to steal on the road. Their losses were to North Carolina, a 7-6 team from the ACC Coastal, where they gave up two 100-yard drives at the end of the game. Where's the defense? You know, that's the thing, too. The defense made progress this past year. But in key situations, totally pooped the bed. Like, North Carolina was the loss, other than the Bama's. You know, at Bama, Texas A&M, Clemson obviously were losses. So where would the other five come from? North Carolina on a neutral field in the season opener. South Carolina historically rarely loses season openers. South Carolina had not lost to a team from North Carolina since 1999. They now have a two-game losing streak. Against teams from North Carolina, and I'm getting to that here in a second. Okay, they lost at Missouri when the true freshman quarterback uh, against a defense that's obviously stacking it. uh, A true freshman quarterback that has an elbow injury that can't hit the broadside of a barn. They continue to throw in the shadow of their own end zone, and they give the offense gives up two touchdowns at Missouri. They lose by 20 to a team that finished six and six, lost to Vanderbilt, and fired its coach that 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 it had beaten. The game guys had beaten three years in a row that also lost to Wyoming. Okay. So then they snap the streak against Kentucky. They beat Georgia. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Florida, yet again, outcoaches them in the fourth quarter. And I'll say it. And, I look, I would like to have seen what would have happened had the refs made the proper call on the long touchdown run, and, and I think that was horrendous. But the bottom line is Gamecocks were still up 20-17 to 17 in the, going into the fourth and just got out coached. period. Um, lost 38-27. Well, then you go to Tennessee, first half. How does the offense go up and down the field and the second half gets completely shut out? And how does the secondary, you know, just completely get shredded? Well, that's because Jim Chaney dialed up some ball plays that you couldn't cover, and you couldn't cover their receivers, uh, and you had – Catastrophic breakdowns on special teams, and then they adjusted to your offense in the second half, shut you down. Appalachian State, no excuse, completely outcoached by Ted Roof, the defensive coordinator, the journeyman defensive coordinator they had in that one. Look, I, I think South Carolina played App's offense pretty well. And then AM and Clemson, it was just over by that point. So, you know. It's not like the Gamecocks were, you know. Oh, we've made all this progress, but man, our schedule was too tough. And it's it's a fallacy, a fallacy, to say that it was the toughest schedule in the country. A fallacy. Um, and so, with all that said, you know, I want to I want to say that I, I I don't agree with Ray Tanner's comments. Uh, I think that what what should have been said was that last year was unacceptable everybody knows that we are working hard to reverse that we still believe in Will Muschamp uh, he's our guy and a lot of good's happened since the end of the season let's put last season behind us don't try to sell it as progress because it's definitely not now when you take a step back you know you have to look at damage now how much damage was done well at the end of the season, one of the reasons I thought you know a coaching change should have been considered uh, is that I thought there would be ramifications, and, and there will be. But by now, but right now, we're kind of seeing that uh, it wasn't quite as bad as you'd think, and, and that's a tribute to the coaching staff. You have to say the positive with the negative. I mean, you got to be fair. Um, these guys kept everybody committed. Uh, Tony and I talked about that at length. Um, they're still out there recruiting, working hard. Uh, they made adjustments to the coaching staff. Uh, they got a new strength coach uh, and I think when you look at it, uh, it was kind of it was a no brainer. You need a new offensive coordinator. you need a, a new strength coach, a new strength program and, and And I say that because Paul Jackson brought all of his assistants so, so it's a completely new off season program and I think the players, because you probably mentally associate the failure of last year with last year's so this this will help even if it's just psychological the Players to say, okay, well, you know, here's something new we're doing to try to make the results better on the field and to have the confidence to do that. So, you know, I, I, I hats off to, to them there. Got Jordan Birch. Um, I know there's rumors out there. Uh, Tony and I addressed that yesterday. Go back and listen to that. Uh, nothing's changed, uh, although I, there's never 100% in recruiting. Even nowadays, after guys sign, you know, because I've seen guys, like, sign and then immediately go in the portal. And, they, I mean, you know, with the portal, it's like, you know, even when they sign, it's only, like, 98%. <laughs> so uh, th- there's no 100% in anything. But um, I do believe that, uh you know, I do believe this recruiting effort for 2020 was good. I think 2021 – is going to be somewhat of an uphill battle, but I, I think they can still put together a good class, and it, it may even be really good. You got Gunner Stockton in twenty twenty two, and so you kind of look at the recruiting, and you know that that's a positive. And I, and I, you know, I'll be honest. I, I, I thought there would be more damage uh, immediately from the four and eight thing. But there wasn't. They kept it together, and I think that's positive uh, and a tribute to Will Muschamp. And, and that's a that's an argument towards retaining, quite frankly, in that situation. Uh, because, you know, you, you make a change this past year, you are going to lose a lot of guys. Um, and and that's just the bottom line. Now, would the new coach come in and win more next year? Maybe. I don't know. But uh, that was the bottom line. And I anticipated them losing guys anyway. Because of four and eight, and because of the hot seat talk, but they didn't. So we'll see twenty twenty one. I do think there's going to be some hot seat talk, that, I don't know. Maybe uh, impacts some guys, but uh, I think with the, the talent level in state this year, uh, the situation in North Carolina, uh, all that, you know, I, I think South Carolina is kind of behind the eight ball, and, and that's self inflicted because this was the cycle. You know, had you beaten North Carolina last year, they wouldn't have made a bowl. They'd had a losing season. They're still going to recruit pretty well and get their share, but you know, head to head, they're not going to have as big of an argument. Uh, Gamecocks beat. Let's say the Gamecocks beat North Carolina. Let's say the Gamecocks went eight and nine and four last year. You're going to be able to go up there and, and say and point to progress. Now you can't. Um, and this was the cycle with with that state. You know, I think mean, the Gamecocks have offered 30 guys in North Carolina, according to the database. That state was supposed to be the big the big proving ground or whatever. So, you know, we'll kind of see what happens there. Uh, it, 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 but bottom line is, you know, I think the messaging from the athletic department, not just Ray Tanner, needs to be, last year was unacceptable. We're working hard to, to correct that. Uh, we are hopeful that next year is better not stats can be deceiving because there's not there's not that, that's that happens sometimes in football stats are deceiving you know you look and you see a team that's like you know something like 80th in total offense but they're 11 and one <laughs> yeah that, that that stat is deceiving you, you know i think some of the espn stats they put out are, are very deceiving um they're fun to look at, fun to track, but they're deceiving. This wasn't. This was a piss-poor football season, any way you slice it, with two positive th- Saturdays, the, the beating Kentucky, which, you know, thankfully they had not figured out to put their receiver quarterback yet. <laughs> you know, you, people talk about how oh, he had to start a freshman quarterback. Well, Kentucky had to start a wide receiver. They won the belt Bowl. They went eight and five. Um, You know, but hey, a win's a win, and you take it, especially against that bunch. And then beating Georgia, you know, anytime you beat Georgia, if you're South Carolina, that's a positive. Um, Other than that, so the ten other games. (sighs) uh, And then if you, you, you drill down to the stats even further, keep in mind South Carolina played a Charleston Southern team was probably the worst team I've ever seen a South Carolina football team play. And on top of that, and take nothing away from those kids and, and their coach. And on top of that, they had to practice in Charlotte and commute all week. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the chances of South Carolina not beating them 72-10 to 10 were slim. And you look at a lot of the offensive stats, uh, and, and, and they were run up in that game. Now, now you, teams play bad teams all the time. You can't just throw those stats out. Well, you take that away and it's even more dire. You know, So I don't think the stats are, are deceiving. South Carolina got its butt kicked uh, by two division teams that they've, they've owned on the road because they have an incompetent offense and they had catastrophic breakdowns in other phases of the game in both those games. And it goes back to coaching. They were not prepared to beat Missouri for four quarters and beat Tennessee for four quarters. They were not prepared to go beat App State. And they were not prepared to hold on to a lead against North Carolina. Take those four games, flip it, it's eight and four. Well, the win over Georgia, are you kidding me? Things are rolling. Um, but that didn't happen, and it should have. So, I, you know, I... I wanted to address that because people were talking about it. For those of you that didn't hear it, 107.5 The Game with Jay Phillips, Ray Tanner's interview, he asked him and mentioned those stats. And there was some people on the com were talking about it. Uh, go check it out on, on their website. I think that's 107.5thegame.com. You know, big fan of those guys over there. My man WG Gunner, Bill Gunner. Uh, certainly missed that guy, man. Uh from my days back in Columbia Radio, but uh, that's my take on that. Is that you know, I, I and like and I'm a Ray Tanner defender. I you know, uh, we'll get into this topic. Is what if there's a football coaching change? People that are you know, he should not be allowed to hire the next coach. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't work that way. You know, um, I do think there's accountability, and I do think that with any hire, the AD runs things by the board and the president. And I, I, don't, I, I think that the search, search firm that Tanner used last time came back to bite him a little bit. But um, I, I still think looking at kind of where things are now as opposed to then, that if there is a change after this year, and I'm just talking about after this year. I'm not talking about you know years into the future or whatever, uh, looking at who's available, who would want the job, and I'm not going to get into any names. The fact that Tanner's there, I, I think South Carolina would be utterly, it would be utterly absurd to to change ads and then and have all this chaos if you're going through a football coaching search. Uh, and every coach in the country thinks it's a positive that Ray Tanner's the coach, not a negative. So if you're looking for a recruiting angle. You know, that's it. Just like they liked Mike McGee because Mike McGee was a football coach or a coach for a while, you know. And uh, so that's that. All right. This has been ITG Daily. This is J.C. Sherbert. Um, The show tomorrow will will pop up on your iTunes uh, and Spotify. Uh, I will not be embedding it on the board on the big spur. I'll be away from the computer most of the day, but got a little episode for you previewing the basketball game and, and the weekend and all that uh, that we'll roll out uh, early tomorrow morning for ITG Daily. Then right back next week, uh, five more episodes Monday through Friday, the Wednesday Football Inside Show with Tony. Um, our numbers have been tremendous. People are really liking this, and I appreciate it. It makes me feel good. People will Listen to me blabber for however long, 40 minutes to an hour uh, a day here on ITG Daily. All right, Gamecocks, you guys have a great, great Thursday, and we'll holla at you soon.